Hi, everybody. I'm Gus Johnson along with the governor. He says he got all his jeans from his mom. From his mom. A lot of nylon. A lot of excitement in the air. Yes. And we're ready for college basketball. College basketball. Oh, oh. Gus. Oh, he's got onions. Gus. He's got onions. What's up, everybody? It's week 10 of the Big East Barroom. Happy January 16th to all those who celebrate. Ryan, how are you on this fine Martin Luther King Day? And Tyler, for all those listening at home, how many takes did this take to get the episode right? Two, because professionals do a dress rehearsal and then a rehearsal and then a real one. But seriously, happy MLK Day, a very important holiday, and we had a uh, nice basketball game today to commemorate it. When you say a nice basketball game, I think we have different definitions of what a nice basketball game is. If you got a game where they're throwing a ball through the hoop, it's good by me. It actually wasn't a terribly, we'll talk about it obviously a lot, but it wasn't a um, terrible, it was a pretty well played game I thought in some Regards, I didn't think it was very sloppy. Yeah, it wasn't. No, well, it wasn't great. I don't Primo know. Spears is a certified bucket getter. Yeah, I know you love Primo Spears. I love Primo Spears plays on my team every day of the week. Primo Spears has never seen a shot he doesn't like, and that's perfect. He he's Kemba. Who's Walker. that perfect for? If Georgetown has not. <laughs> never mind. Georgetown wins all the time, <laughs> so I don't know why you're being like that. Good take. <laughs> all right. Well. We um, have an awesome interview at the end of this podcast. We actually just wrapped up with Banners on the Parkway, um, one of our favorite Xavier accounts. So Xavier fans, stay tuned to the end of that. Um, we're going to put two and a half on the clock. I just wanted to quickly do a quick housekeeping thing. Ryan and I have talked a lot about this last year, but we're actually gaining a lot of steam right now. So we're very happy about that. But just a reminder, you know your team better than you do. we do. You might know more about substitutions and stuff like that. So... I, Ryan's shaking his head now. I'm not convinced you know your team better than I do. <laughs> See, I, I am. Um, I, just like I probably know more about UConn than you do as a Providence fan or a Villanova fan. Um, but I just I wanted to shout that out because you guys have been awesome and interacting with us. So we appreciate you, even the negative people. Yeah, we need like an errors section where somebody tells us the mistakes we made at the end of the yeah, podcast. Like, like I just today tweeted that Providence is 23rd in the country. They're 22nd in the country. Yeah, that's an error. That's an error. That would be a mistake. We should visit it. Did you think they messed it up by getting Mar- putting Marquette in front of Providence? I didn't see that coming. Just because Providence lost at Creighton? It's tough. I don't know. Marquette. Let's talk about it when we get to them. All right. Right. Today, here's how we're going to do this. So hopefully everyone can follow. I am. You are going to name... Before this, while I was watching the Georgetown Villanova game, I went in and I found, in my opinion, the most successful NBA player from each Big East team. You are going to start with the team you are most confident you can name who I picked to the least confident that you can name who I picked. And I think you're going to end up, I think we're going to end up pretty close to each other. And I'll tell you how many ended up getting right. So to be clear, this isn't about knowing the best player. It's about no. knowing who you think the best player is. Yes. Okay. And this is completely subjective. Average. Which is a word some people could use in their vocabulary. Um, but we, I want you to try that. Because there are some people, I'll be honest, I did not know some of the, these guys before I started. So Ryan, you put two and a half on the clock. Which team are we talking about first, in your opinion? I believe we'll be talking about the Marquette Golden Eagles. Ooh, not where I would have gone. But As Dwayne Wade is by far the best player to ever come out of And that Marquette. is very correct. And that is who I picked. 
for the Marquette Golden Eagles. Ryan, Marquette Golden Eagles played two games this week. Marquette Golden Eagles probably played the two, well, two of the harder teams in the Big East and went one and one, beating UConn at home Wednesday and losing to Xavier on the road on Saturday. So you want to do a little optimist pessimist? They went one and one. You want to be the optimist? I'll sure. Be the pessimist. Yeah. Go ahead. Tyler Kolek is the best point guard in college basketball. I don't, not even the Big East. Best point guard. His ability to drive on every single guard, whether they're more athletic, whether they're taller, is incredible. His passing ability and his scoring ability have taken steps forward today uh, by a lot during this um, season. Negative? Defense. And it's the defense. And what did they give up? They gave up 76 points at home to UConn. And then they get, went on the road and gave up 80 points to Xavier. And they're really struggling finding stops when they need them. Um, they got. They have a couple defensive mismatches that you can exploit. Uh, Iguodaro held up okay against um, Nunji, but Fremantle managed to pick on Omax a couple times. And I and I th- and I think that's a really good what I wanted to talk about. Almost, with, I wanted to talk with banners on, with that too because what I noticed is Oso can play with anybody, any five pretty much, but they don't have a four then to step up because Oso's really a four. So, Nunji, he was playing okay against Nunji, and then Fremantle was kind of picking on them a little bit. I, I think you're exactly right. They had Joplin guarding Fremantle at certain times, and that's just not a recipe for success. Yeah, and Joplin wasn't a good guard for him, but of course, Fremantle's not a, can't guard Joplin either. No. So, so, they were both getting their way um, with each other. Positives? They man, they, in a lot of ways in that second half, they manhandled UConn. Uh, just out athletic them. Stevie Mitchell was incredibly good, good in the first half. Um, Jones was very good in the first half as well. I thought that, you know, that that UConn game, I thought, you know, they looked like the, either the first or second best team in the Big East right there. Okay, and then if I'm going to hit another negative, we're talking rebounding. I mean, they got out-rebounded by um, Xavier by eight offensive rebounds and five defensive rebounds. They were minus 13 on the glass, and they almost doubled up their offensive rebound, Xavier. Uh, you know, Iguodaro is going to give you a few rebounds, but they're having trouble finding rebounds from anybody else, and they're giving up way too many second-chance points in that capacity. I've seen Marquette pretty much as a four-seed right now, so I'd really like them to stay on that line if we're being honest with you. I think that's the highlight for them. So... A little DePaul love because they went out and beat Villanova this week. But overall, I don't think it was a very disappointing week for Marquette. They were right there with Xavier. I'd say that they stayed about net neutral. They lost the game that they they lost a game that people are going to have to expect to lose this year, and they won a game that you know I'll say is a coin flip yeah. type of game. And I think that brings them to a net positive for the week. But still, they're an elite team in the Big East, so one of the best teams of the Big East. That didn't change. No, know? absolutely not. Right. Who else do you feel confident that you know their best alumni? That would be the Georgetown Hoyas. And? Oh, who did you pick? I'll say you picked Allen Iverson. I did not. I picked Patrick Ewing. And you know what? I didn't. I love AI, but um, Patrick Ewing is a top 50 player of all time. And I'm not sure Allen. Well, Patrick Ewing might be a top 20 player of all time. I'm not sure Allen Iverson's quite that. You want to put two and a half in the clock and do our favorite thing where we... All right, so you go ahead and you start talking about them. Um, I think they should fire Patrick Ewing. I know I, that's a hot take. I'm not sure everybody was ready to hear it, but, I mean, they're just – it's pitiful. It's pitiful. Um, they played a pretty good game against Villanova today. They were right there right until the end. But Villanova can't guard anybody. So 
I'm not sure that I'm I'm really all that impressed by that. They lost to Seton Hall earlier in the week. Um, Ryan, few Patrick Ewing. Continue. That was French. That was French? Yeah, okay. continue. There you go. Um, let's see. The Ryan, Fuego, Patrick Ewing. That's <laughs> It's not how you say fire, Patrick. Continue, Ewing, continue. Fair. No, I'm listening to what you're saying. That's just it. Right. Guess what they shot. Fuko. <laughs> Patrick Ewing. Guess what they shot from the field against um, Seton Hall. How many points did they put up? 51? No, no. Uh, guess what they shot from the Yeah. Uh, 45%. 31. Yeah, they're bad. Guess what uh, uh, Primo Spears shot in that game? I don't know how to say that. Um, Patrick Ewing. Oh, that's not right. That's, <laughs> that's just Patrick Ewing. <laughs> Uh, Primo Spears shot 5 of 15. 3 of 15. Uh, okay, so that's not good. No. Ryan, Ognesti Patrick Ewing. Do we have anything interesting to add to our take on pa- uh, on Georgetown that we've been taking all year? Hmm. No, I'm hearing you, and I am. Ogilja Patrick Ewing. Uh, it's bad. Primo Spears, uh, certified bucket getter. Um, they had their chance to beat a really, really down Villanova team right now. That Not, not saying Villanova's not talented, but just like vibes are as bad as they're going to get in Villanova mm. and they brought it down to Brandon Murray had a shot to tie it um missed it you know Primo Spears turned the ball over in their biggest possession of the year that's I mean that's just how it's been going for them yeah turnovers shot selection defense all of the fundamentals Ooh, I can say this one they just Brond Patrick Ewing that's Danish all the fundamentals that you need from a basketball team. They don't have any yeah. of them. They're not... I mean, the effort is an issue. The engagement on defense is an issue. And the huddles. Tyler thinks there's an issue with the huddle. Um, in Hawaiian, it's Ahi Patrick Ewing. So, it's about as bad as it can get uh, in Georgetown right now. In Hindi, it is... I can't read Hindi. I just found out. Good for DePaul. Good for you know what good for DePaul, right? Do you know what alumni you've gotten? You're one for two right now, which isn't great for you, to be honest. I'm gonna be honest. Again, this is just a completely subjective game. This is family. Well, no, this is the newlywed game with brothers. Yeah. Um. You know how about DePaul Max Struess? No, DePaul's greatest player is Mark Aguirre. Uh, he's not in my book. Mark Aguirre was, I believe, he played on the Pistons, and I believe he was on some of those bad boys teams. Well, let me just tell you, does 20 points per game and five rebounds fit your fantasy? Yeah, but, at, for but the Max Struss hits three sometimes. Yeah, Mark Aguirre, I believe, is like uh, one of the better players. Not one of the better players in NBA history, uh, but he went to DePaul. Let's put two and a half He's also the clock. first pick from the Mavericks. First overall pick. And we're talking DePaul Blue Demons. DePaul Blue Demons went out there and they won a basketball game they were not supposed to win. Or, on paper. They beat Villanova 75-65. And then came back and played a really good game, I thought, against Seton Hall. Seton Hall's really clicking at the right time. Um, and they lost a four-point game there. DePaul fans got to be like, is this like the best they're feeling this year? Like, can we talk about Deshaun Nelson? Because I've been waiting all week to talk about Deshaun Nelson. He's an absolute, like, animal on the glass. Like, this kid's incredible. I mean, he hit a three. He rebounds. He has post moves. I mean, he took it to Eric Dixon. Yeah. I mean, the, listen, is this a little bit of they got Villanova at the right time? Absolutely. Like, I don't think either of us are going to sit here and say that we think that this is a, you know, the outcome that we expected. But 
Villanova's showing that it or DePaul's showing it's going to be hard to go. It's not going to be an easy walk into Chicago and win those games. You're going to have to bring it if you go into play DePaul. This is their second big home win. They are ju- not second, but they beat Georgetown. They beat Villanova. You know, they played a really good game against Seton Hall at one point. You know, I just think that this team might be able to. You know, they play offense. Them. They do play offense, and they have a couple really talented offensive pieces. Javon Johnson, Umoja Gibson, Deshaun Nelson, who we're not talking about, but we should be. Um, Eral Penn has had some moments. They don't play any defense, and that's their issue. And I don't see that changing this year, but luckily Villanova doesn't play any defense either. So DePaul, it was just a no defense versus no defense game, and DePaul was able to get the better of them. Yeah, Umoja Gibson continues to impress me. Um, Nelson... Like I said, I think this team is a, a step above where we saw them last year, and we don't have a, you know, I think we're going to be, they're going to give some teams, and they're going to knock off another good team, in my opinion. That's my prediction. At home, they're going to knock it off another good team. On a good shooting night? I agree. Yeah. And um, I know we only have a few seconds to talk about it. Javon Freeman Liberty went for 39 points today in the G League, so want to give hype Listen, to him. don't tell me Tony Stubblefield isn't doing something out there. Yeah, JFL was one of our favorites last year to watch. Um, Gerberwitt. Played pretty well. He's been shooting the three really well. He had a few threes down the stretch of that game. Um, so overall, just you know, I was pretty impressed with. I'd the, like DePaul to give it a, uh, an apology to DePaul fans when I called them irrelevant last week. I was wrong, yeah. clearly, as they just beat Villanova. And we're gonna ignore that they lost to Seton Hall because Seton Hall's playing well right now, and they played a really good game. Yeah. All right, that wraps. Well, it's, it's nemesis. All right. Right, who are we going with? What team do you feel confident with? Because right now you're one for three, and that's not good enough to be in the league. You're not. We're telling you to stop shooting threes at this point. Um, did you pick Ray Allen? You picked Ray Allen. UConn Ray Allen. Um, I will say that I brought it. Be- I I did pick Ray Allen. He is the best NBA pro of all of them. He isn't going to the Hall of Fame, but I did put Richard Hamilton in there too. I, that was the one I, I was between. I thought that he uh, at least had a point, and then because what did Rip win two uh, two championships? No, uh, he wasn't there in all four. He only won the ninety nine championship. No, no, I'm sorry, on uh, the Pistons. Oh yeah, he won those t- the two that they won there. Um, I think UConn is a good place to start if we're talking about teams that are bottom of the Big East, um, feeling right now, um, and they played two games and. They took two losses. They lost to Marquette um, on the road. Uh, they played, a, you know, Marquette's hot right now. I I think that most of the conversation has to go to that St. John's game, which we were at on um, Saturday. So, first off, that was just, like, a painful game to watch. That was not any fun for anybody, right? No. I mean, I don't want to do the officiating conversation right now. Maybe we can do it a little bit at the end. But 50 fouls, I mean, four technicals, two flagrants. Um, two ejections. They just they just started throwing people out at the end of the game. Listen, I don't know what you know. I don't know what Sonogo said. He could have said some terrible things in that huddle. Corbello could have said some terrible things, but to eject somebody while they're just standing there with their arms on their hips is a really bad look for an officials that let a game get out of control because they let David Jones throw a forearm shiver. And here's what I'll say. I mean, we were in about the worst position to judge foul calls because we were sitting in the upper deck. So I'm not saying what was or wasn't a foul. I'm just saying it was no fun to watch. Yes. Like, it was just not a fun basketball game to watch because the referees were calling a foul. And, and my issue, I don't, listen, I don't, okay, we'll do the referee at the conversation. Okay. Game. UConn offense is so bad right now. Well, hold Jordan on, UConn's off, defense is so bad. Yeah, and that's why they're committing a lot of fouls too because they're a step slow and a dollar late right now. If Jordan Hawkins didn't go for 30 points in that game, like let's say he went for 13, 14 of his normal, 
you would have been picking up like 60 points against a St. John's team that isn't interested in playing defense. I mean, we're talking about one of the worst displays I've seen from UConn offensively in almost years. For me, it's the defense that stands out, though, because they're getting beat one-on-one. Yes. You know, we saw time, Andre Jackson got beat by Pinzone about twice. Hassan Diara got beat. Um, who else got beat? Hawkins has looked pretty solid. Hawkins, Klingon are the two... Hawkins right now I think is our best Newton's defender. got beat Newton got beat by Storm Newton was a non Newton scored zero points in that game he was a non-player he's not a great defender and he's got to be able to score some points but it's and he it's, missed both the three throws UConn defenders are not supposed to be getting just blown yeah. by on the perimeter I mean that's Hurley's calling card is defense that's but his whole thing here, here, and my other thing is like people are like well UConn's gonna be pissed off well UConn had lost three out of four going into this game shouldn't they have been pissed off Coming into this game? No, there's obviously... There's pretty serious problems in stores right now. But let's let's be honest. If they can rattle off four or five in a row, are we going to care about this little blip right now? I don't think so. Yeah, I think so. I think it... it I think it significantly um, brought their ceiling down. They could have been a one seed. They won't be a one seed. I I don't think, but it brings their their, um, ceiling down in terms of what they want to do eventually. I think UConn could easily turn it around, or this could be... You know, the beginning of feeling like, you know, we could say, well, we saw the beginnings of this in January when they're, you know, they're getting closer and closer to being um, unranked and stuff like that. Yeah, stock down right now. Whatever, however Massive you want to say stock it, down. stock down. All right, right. You got, I'll give you credit for that one because I, I put three, as you can see. Oh, I can't show you that. Um, Alan, Rip, and Kemba, um, because I just, we love Kemba Walker, sure. soft spot. Uh, who would you like to guess next? I would say there's two more gimmies, and there's one more you should easily get. Is Villanova's... See, I listed three for Villanova. I'm not an old head, so, like, I'm just thinking Jalen Brunson made the all-star team this year. Um, I don't know. I'm going to go Brunson. So, I listed Brunson, Kyle Lowry, oh, Kyle and Kerry Lowry. Kittles. Yeah, Kyle Lowry's a better pick than Brunson. I, you know, I think Jalen Brunson, obviously, right now, you'd rather have Lowry's career, but I'd say you'd rather have Brunson, obviously, his trajectory of where he's going. So, you want to talk Villanova? Another team that, like, I'm not excited to talk about, which really sucks because at the beginning of the year, you could have convinced me that these were the two top teams in the Big East. And Villanova took three losses this week. That's hard to do. Um, Uh, But they managed to get three games in. They did not take three losses. Yes, they did. They lost to DePaul. They lost to Butler. And they lost... Oh, oh, I'm sorry. They played three games. (laughs) Are you considering a four-point win against Georgetown? I assume the Villanova lines up. They've lost. Uh, They got pretty... um, Losing a Butler, I missed a lot of this game on Friday night. Um, I watched the whole game, and they don't play defense. That's the storyline. That's the storyline with every game for Villanova. Butler scored 79 points, and Butler might be the worst offensive team in the Big East. She missed the coaches went for like 30 points in that game. Yes. Did you see that? 28 points. And, and do you know why? Because Cam Whitmore missed his assignment like five different times. I mean, it's not like Stephen Slikosius went for 30 points and on 25 shots. He went for 30 points on tw- uh, 13 shots. Yeah. Um, Defense is atrocious. They needed today. How bad did they need today? Would the Kyle Neptune fire train like, yes. be to a level that we've never heard before they lost? Yes, that? I do think so. I think Kyle Neptune had to win this game. You think they would? You think if they lose this game, Villanova moves on from him or talks? No, about I don't think so. But I think Neptune's dug such a hole at yeah. that point that I mean, I mean, whoever breaks the Georgetown losing streak is going to be in shithole. Is in a lot. I know, of I'm so scared. UConn's and Neptune can't have a out. down year after a Hall of Fame coach and break the losing streak, right? Yeah, I mean, I agree. I agree with what you're saying that Twitter would get loud. Um, I want to give a little bit of a shout out to, I mean, these three that are are just doing it still. 
I mean, Daniel Slater and Dixon, every single game are bringing it. Um, Want to know what I – if I could do a little positive? Mark Armstrong is taking that starting point guard job and trying to make it his. He was absolutely excellent today. He shot five of seven off the bench. Oh. Um, he's athletic. He can get to the hole. Um, I think hopefully, you know, I don't know what's going to happen in the offseason. Hopefully all these guys are willing to stay. Um, but I'm, re- I'm Slater, really excited. Slater doesn't have another year of eligibility. Yeah, Dixon. And I don't think Daniels Dixon does. does. No, Daniels, Daniels does not, no. But I'm hoping that um, Armstrong and the back of my head hopes that Whitmore is willing to stay, but I don't think he is. He's not going to stay. Um, yeah, can we give a little love to Eric Dixon also, who yeah. had 22 against DePaul. He had 22 against Butler. How many did he have against Georgetown? Do you have that there? I don't have that handy. I mean, I Eric Dixon, he's not the problem. Right? Yeah, I think That's he had 11 we're... today against, um, uh, against Georgetown. But he had the big bucket and one at the end of the game. He had 12. He had the free throw. Um, yeah, uh, he has. He gets his lunch pail there every day, and he puts some work in. And I, and I know we feel strongly about this, Rye, because, and you feel it especially. Is it time to start talking about just taking Archie out of the lineup? They don't play defense, and Arch but plays Archie, defense. But defense. not that athletic. I mean, if you want to argue, like, you're not going to win anyway, you might as well let the freshman play. I can hear that argument. But if you want to say don't let him play, just let him be the backup. If you want to win today, Archie's still your best choice because he's the only one who plays defense. I think Armstrong. You can figure out a way to get Armstrong to play defense, right? Next team, you feel confident in saying that you know who I picked for their best NBA alum. Um, I believe that's it. I believe no, you, I've exhausted no, all of no, the ones I on. know. You know, you should know three more, or at least two more. Um, one we talked about before this, and it was, and you said, is he a shooter? I just gave it away. Oh, is it Kyle Korver? Yes. From I picked Cre- Kyle Korver from Creighton. The only other person that would be up there is Doug McDermott. But I mean, he didn't have a good NBA career. He had a great he, college career. He, I mean, he had a good – him and Korver end up with the same amount of points per game pretty much. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, about 10 points per game. Um, but I did pick Kyle Korver to represent Creighton. And the Creighton Blue Jays can I – mean, I don't want to come off as rude. Can you explain to me why Creighton's still getting votes to be in the top 25? Do people just hate being – wrong because they look at the starting five and they say they should be a top 25 team but like, they're not like i agree you have eight losses though um they lost to xavier and they beat providence that it, providence winning looks really good and no shame losing to xavier no at especially xavier. at xavier um but you're gonna have to pick up one of these games i think yeah uh you're gonna have to beat I don't know. UCon- well my my best um my favorite bracketologist shout out to bracket dom um who i go to for all my bracketology questions he has creating in right now uh, i listen i hope so but I mean, I think that win against Providence might have put them back in. Um, and they looked, they looked really good. I was really impressed with um, Kaluma down the stretch, getting to the hole. Pretty, um, you know, he, I was wondering who would be the guy because when you have a bunch of guys, it's sometimes hard for someone to be the guy. And I thought he did a really nice job of taking over down the stretch of that game um, and kind of putting Bryce Hopkins in a situation where I think Hopkins picked up a lot of fouls in this game. Um, and, he, you know, yeah, the storyline in that game, again, was, was foul trouble. You had, like, three guys playing with four fouls. So nobody was playing defense at the end of the game because they didn't want to pick up their fifth foul. But if we're going to talk about the guy for Creighton, we're talking Ryan Kochbrenner, who goes for 21 points and seven rebounds. He had, like, 15 points in the final 10 minutes or something. Yeah. Like, he is – he's a real deal, and he was my number one pick from the Big East. and uh, Our Big East draft that you're referencing. Yeah, he's had a couple down games throughout the season, but this is what he can do, and this is—I mean—he was such a difference maker in this game. Yeah, that Xavier game. I don't want to jump back and forth too much, but I thought Baylor Shireman played his best game of the season in that Xavier game, despite him turning the ball over at the end. 
Um, he went for 25 points and he shot 10 of eight, um, eight, 10, 18 shooting. I don't know. I'm, I, I think Creighton's trending in the right direction. But the problem is when you have this many losses, even when you're losing games like you're not favored to win, like you, you have to eventually pick up a game you're not favored to win. Um, and I just don't know. You know, they're going to be playing Xavier at home soon, you know, in uh, what, 12 days. And then they get into a stretch later in their season where they see Providence, St. John's, Marquette all in a row. Uh, UConn, Providence, St. John's, and Marquette all in a row. Their season will be defined by that four-game stretch, in my opinion. So that's where I'm at with Creighton. It's nemesis. Forget the resume. Just on talent going forward. Do you, do you think Creighton's one of the two best teams in the Big East? Talent-wise, no. No. Nope. Okay. They don't have a bench. Francisco Farabello? Francisco Farabello. Are you familiar? Are you familiar? All right, Ryan. Do you have another guess as to who I picked for another team? You should easily get one of these. One of these is a Hall of Famer. Yeah, but you're an old head. But think about guys who messed up their program by coaching them. Oh, Chris Mullins? Yeah. Oh, okay. I got it. (laughs) Uh, I, I went for the St. John's. Where we're not going to be negative about St. John's at all in this because St. John's had their best week of the season, I would say. They went and beat St. Um, Butler at, at home, but then they went on the road and they beat UConn. Um, one of the better wins in conference that we've seen in the Big East so far. Uh, St. John's is St. John's. They're, it's not pretty. You want, you want my hot take? Uh, St. John's is a good Joe Soriano's player of the year. So that somebody asked us that, so I mean, we'll jump into that later too, I guess. But, Who's uh, player of the year? I, I mean, I don't believe yeah. there's anybody who makes as much of an impact when they're on the court as Joel Soriano. This guy, I mean, he gets a double-double every game. He has 13 rebounds against Connecticut. He, I don't know how many rebounds. He and, had a double-double like against And like a quiet Butler. double-double against Connecticut. Like it wasn't like they were... To a workman's double-double. Yes. Like this is just what he does. He shows up. He's going to give you, you know, 15 rebounds and 20 points. Yeah, and I think, and we'll get into, uh, maybe we'll talk about a mailbag, but... um. I think that's the difference between him and a lot of bigs. A lot of bigs you have to kind of feed and game plan around. You don't have to if you're St. John's. Like, he'll get just put a, get a few putbacks. He'll make his, you know, bucket around the rim. And he can also space the floor. And, like, he made Manny Bates and Adama Sanogo, two of the better bigs in the Big East. And he kind of, you know, he held Manny Bates to three. I think Sanogo did get, like, 13 or 14. But we were at the game. Sanogo wasn't making a massive difference in that game. No, Soriano was by far the best player on the court, I thought. Uh, Pinzone, I oh, thought. No. Um, uh, Jordan Hawkins, was, he went for 31 points yeah. in that game. Um, Pinzone was really good, if we're talking about other positives. Um, I was really impressed with his ability. I thought he was kind of more of a sharpshooter. Yeah. And his ability to kind of drive and get his own shot off, I Hunt, thought was pretty impressive. He was hunting his shot. He was really hunting. And I'm not, with Andre Jackson, UConn's probably best perimeter defender. Yeah. Uh, like, he was hunting that a little bit. And AJ Store started off the game really well. He had, like, four points in the first couple minutes. Um, they're starting to get contributions from every. They've had Soriano the whole year, right? Yeah. That's not why they lost any of the games. So, lost. but they're starting to get contributions from other guys. And Posh was really good. Curbelo played his role really well with a few flashy passes. Um, he didn't really he didn't turn the ball over between him and Posh. He got three turnovers. UConn didn't turn them over enough to win that game. Um, this isn't a UConn segment, but still, I'll tell you what. I don't. I wouldn't want to see them in Madison Square Garden for no. the East tournament right now. God no! I absolutely. They're going to muck up a game. They are going to win another. They are going to beat Xavier and Marquette um, in one of their games. Um, Xavier Marquette or Providence in one of their games is my um, estimation. It's, it's nemesis. 
They're going to beat um one of those other big. They're going to get another big win, I think, this year, um, in the Big East. So, can you tell me the teams I have left? Yes. Hold on one second. Uh, we are down to Xavier. We are down to Providence. We are down to um, Seton Hall, and we are down to Butler. You should get one of these. You won't get the others. Oh, Gordon Hayward. Yes, Gordon Hayward for Butler. They don't have a lot of alum who have played in the um, what's it called the. Uh, NBA. So, Gordon Hayward was an easy one, and Gordon Hayward is a really good player. So, I like that one. Right, two and a half on the clock to talk about the Butler Bulldogs. Your Butler Bulldogs, who go one and one this week. They do lose to St. John's um, on the road. They're at St. John's, but then they go home and they defend Hinkle and they take it to Villanova and they end up winning 79 71, which was just a fantastic game. It was a lot of fun to watch. And it was like kind of Sheamus Lukosius's coming out party. Wasn't that the tournament last year? Yeah, but he's <laughs> he kind was of, nasty in that Big East tournament. He was. He was. Um, but, you know, he hadn't had as good of a start to the season as people wanted him to. A lot of people picked him as potentially the sophomore of the year or, you know, the sophomore leap to watch, whatever, however you want to phrase it. Um, yeah, I mean, I think Butler did what, you know, they, their five were really good in the Villanova game, right? Like, that's what they, you know, if you're going to get 11 from Thomas and 28 from Lukosius and 12 from Harris and, you know, 10, if you're going to get double digits from four or five guys, that's great. But that was really impressive. And what we don't know, this could be a bad thing going forward. Manny Bates didn't play in this game because of a knee injury. So I don't know if we've got more information on that. No, I don't believe we have at this point, but Jalen Thomas subbed in really nicely. Um, you know, he's a good defensive presence. That's not his, you know. And then offensively, he's a little challenged at times. You also saw really good minutes from the freshman there, Connor Turnbull. I don't know if you got to see that. Yeah. Um, Hinkle, Hink, listen, we had a few people, um, we had a few Butler friends out there, and they said, listen, wait for Butler. You know, I, you, don't, you don't always think of Hinkle as a home field advantage just because Butler hasn't been great in Big East play, but – they got it rocking on. They got it rocking that night. I think it's also partially because we're not from the Midwest, Absolutely. and obviously a lot of the Big East yes. isn't from the Midwest. It's a national historic landmark. Like it's considered one of the biggest college basketball arenas, like most important college basketball arenas in the history of college basketball. Yeah, well, you're right. I think I always think of it as. Um, remember that year they did the tournament out there, and the oh in Indiana, and the sun was coming through. And it was, like, blocking the corner threes. Wasn't that during COVID? Because they yeah. needed to all be in the same They path. all needed to be in Indiana. Yeah. Um, I I think Butler fans should be pretty happy with this week. But they're still not close to a tournament team right now. No, but they don't want to be a bottom of the um, Big East team. I thought you were going to say they don't want to be a tournament team. And I was like, Ryan, I think they want to be a tournament They're not interested. All right. Um, you have... You are down to your final three teams. Xavier, Providence, and Seton Hall. I don't know if I can name a single... Ooh, this uh, isn't a good luck for you. Um, NBA player from Providence. Um, Ryan Gomes. Ryan Gomes yeah. is from Connecticut. Sure, sure. And Ryan Chris, Gomes was a high not, draft That's not who I have. And Chris Dunn also is a shooter. He played for the Bulls a little bit. No, we, one of them was a really high draft pick. But I, I didn't really know this guy well, but I went to do some of his stats... Otis Thorpe went for 14 points a game and eight rebounds a game coming out of the College of Providence. He was drafted in 1985. Now, for all the listeners at 84. home, can you spell Otis Thorpe? O-T-I-S. 
T-H-O-R-P-E. I'm looking at the thing. There goes the rest of the listeners' nights. They're Googling Otis Thorpe now. <laughs> I mean, he played until 2001, which is kind of like our... I guess. Anyway, three on the clock, to t- or two and a half on the clock to talk about Prov. Let's do it. All right, Providence played two games this week, I believe. I'm not on their page right now, Ryan, so if you could pick up where I'm leaving off. They, beat, they lost to Creighton. And, and they beat... Come on, we can do this because we're nobody. On. They did not win. They lost to Creighton, so they went one and zero this or zero and one this week. Yes, sir. So part of this, and I think Providence fans have a legitimate beef. I'm noticing a lot of home whistle this year, um, and I think Providence fans kind of brought that out. A few travels. Um, Bryce Hopkins got a technical, or Ed Cooley got a technical. Still not a hundred percent sure who and got nobody the technical. technicals. Ed Cooley. Um, only Dan Hurley gets that ref better watch himself. He goes to Rhode Island, okay? Um, but I was pretty, you know, I thought Providence played a pretty good game, um, especially because even if this was, they ended up playing Pierre and um, Floyd were under the weather, which the officials kept saying, um, not the officials, the uh, commentators, um, and they didn't do it with Jared Bynum. So I think if you're Providence, you're looking at this game, being like, we didn't have our star point guard, we were down a few guys. And we ended up making it a six-point game on the road against Creighton. Yeah, and Bryce Hopkins. And, and, Bryce, and Hopkins. Bryce Hopkins, again, he goes for 20 points and 10 rebounds. And, and, you know what was so telling for me is after the game, they said Kaluma did a good job on him. Yeah. And he probably did. And he still got 20 points and 10 Absolutely. rebounds. Yeah, and you want to know who I want to talk about? Let's talk Alan Breed. Alan Breed, for all intents and purposes, was getting buried in this depth chart. You know, people, Pierre was kind of moving in front of him and back of Bynum. And this kid, now that both are not really playing, and I know he didn't play great. He shot three of ten, um, but seven rebounds. You know, he went for, uh, he got an assist and he went for eight points. And I know, again, he didn't play great, but he played 32 minutes. That's Rock not solid. He's rock solid. He's rock solid. That's not something you thought of Alan Breed of last. You know what, Al, Alan Breed is an Ed Cooley kind of player. It brings his lunch pail to work. He does. He puts in the hard work. He's not all like, you know, glitz and glamour. Yeah. But he puts in the work. They need something more off their bench, I'll say. They're, they have a nine-man rotation, and to get four points off the bench isn't good enough. Um, Clifton Moore, two points. Jaden Pierre, two points. Again, Jaden Pierre was sick. Um, but that's just not good enough for an Ed Cooley coach team. But you also, they didn't want to go that deep in their bench. They were dealing with foul trouble the entire game. Because Big East officials suck. Big East officials do suck. I mean... Like, Providence fans should be pretty mad about the way that the, that game is officiated, in my opinion. <clears throat> All right, you Did got, you see the you, call on Alan Breed? They, they defended for 28 seconds. With two seconds, they called a foul on Alan Breed. On the, on the replay, there was nothing. He didn't even touch him. Like, it was bizarre. <clears throat> is that the Nemhard one, where Nemhard was driving yeah. on that play? Yeah, I did see that. That was ridiculous. All right, so you have Seton Hall, right? We're not going to get him, so I'm not going to waste time. It was Bobby Wanzer um, and somebody else. But I picked Bobby Wanzer because he was way back in the 40s and 50s. He averaged 12 points a game and four rebounds. He shot an atrocious 39% from the field, though, in his career. So So you picked him because he couldn't shoot? Um, Because I think it was a different game back then, and I wanted to talk about him. And I think Bobby Wanzer doesn't get enough. A credit. People are saying it. And so Seton Hall uh, gets two wins this week. They beat a the very bad Georgetown team. Bob Davies, and Bob Davies scored fourteen points a game on thirty-seven percent shooting. And then they beat a bad DePaul team. So they managed to take care of the bottom of the conference. Um, but DePaul's not bad. 
Dude, are you gonna kidding me? You called DePaul irrelevant last week, and then they beat Villanova, and you call him bad. Yeah, but DePaul fans have stopped listening at this point, so I'm good. DePaul fans always will finish the episode. Anyhow, um, I got to watch the entire DePaul game, and so here's my takeaway. Good for job C- saying got to, not had to. It was a blessing. <laughs> so here's my takeaway, kind of with Seton Hall right now, is they are one of the best defenses in conference, potentially the best, considering UConn is really struggling. But they are not consistent in their defense at all. The first half, they were really poor defensively. They missed a lot of assignments. They were low energy. They allowed people to drive past them. And then in the second half, because Shaheen Holloway is the real fucking deal, excuse me, um, they got their stuff together. Do you? Th- I know that the you'll say 11-8. and eight. Do you think Seton Hall looks at and says, we have a legitimate chance at a tournament team? No. Let, because, but let's talk about their losses, right? They lost to Iowa, who's in the tournament. They lost to Siena. Yes, but they, everyone can have one. They lost to Oklahoma. They lost to Kansas. Those are all tournament teams right now. They lost to Providence, Xavier, and Marquette, tournament team. Creighton, who's a tournament team. And they beat Rutgers, who's the 23rd best team in the country, according to the AP right now. Do you think Seton Hall or Holloway saying we have a chance to be a tournament team? No, I don't think so. If they beat UConn? Not at this point. I mean, yes, obviously, if you play in one of the top conferences, is there a path? Yeah, if they if they sweep the board, they could make it. I don't think they're playing like one right now. Their offense is still struggling pretty mightily. And like I was just talking about, their defense is not at the level Holloway wants. Yeah. Um, I really enjoyed in this game, you know, I've been enjoyed watching Kadari Richmond a lot. Casey Nadefo um, and Alamir, Alamir Dawes is one of the most interesting players to watch play basketball. He just like runs up to the three-point line and shoots it. And I don't know if he looks up the whole entire The time. fact he ended up as one of the best shooters in conference, I did not see that coming. I hate his stroke. I hate his shot selection. And he makes the shots. So. I just, like, it does, it look, I don't want to be mean. It just is an interesting way to play basketball. And I tweeted out, he's an enigma. Um, but he scored 24 and 14. And I'm pretty efficient shooting in this whole entire stretch. And let's give uh, Femi Odekale a minute here. He came off the bench. I don't think he'll continue to come off the bench because he had a really nice game. Yeah, Seton Hall's trending in the right direction. I think that's for sure. And I think that's the main point. All right, guys, you know what this means. We are in the last team, and we are so lucky to be joined by Banners on the Parkway, a Xavier, one of our favorite Xavier accounts. How are you? I'm doing pretty well. How are you guys doing tonight? Uh, We're happy to have you. We're happy. Xavier's the team to talk about this week. It was a hell of a week for you guys. It, it certainly was. Uh, it was a couple of tough road ga- or tough, couple of tough home games, but they got through it two and zero uh, and seven and zero in the Big East. So they uh, kind of have their their destiny in their own hands right now. So let's jump right in. And um, they, their first game of the week, Wednesday night, they took on Creighton at home. They took care of them in a pretty good game. What did you see? What stood out to you? Uh, I think the the story on on Wednesday night was Jack Nungy. I mean, he was. Um, he was incredible in that game. Uh, he posted a double-double both games this week. I think probably on Wednesday night was his better game. He had eight offensive rebounds, which um, going up against Kalkbrenner. Um, Kalkbrenner, you know, gets pulled away from the rim a lot trying to block shots, and it looked like Nunji uh, was well aware of that and took full advantage of it because it seemed like uh, he was right there on the weak side on a lot of Xavier's shots to to get the rebound and get the stick back. So I thought he was a fantastic uh, standout player. And then honestly, I just thought that was one of the best college basketball games really of this season, just because of the pace and the way both teams play offense. Uh, both teams rush it up the court and uh, they get 
down to business pretty quickly. And so I thought it was uh, a lot of fun to watch, probably even for a neutral. But um, yeah, I got to say, I came away most impressed with Jack Nunji in that game. And that's kind of been Sean Miller's calling card is getting up and going right into his offense, huh? Yeah. Um, he, you know, he's always been thought of as more of a defensive minded coach. If you look at his really good teams at Arizona, uh, they were always near the top in a lot of the defensive metrics. I think his year off, he kind of changed his perspective a little bit and tried to um, tweak how he did a couple things on offense. And so I think Xavier has been a really fun offense to watch so far this year. They don't shoot a lot of threes, but they're a very efficient team from three. And then uh, the Fremantle Nunji kind of uh, high low game has been really effective in in most of the games this year. Um, what I've noticed about Xavier and what's been most impressive is they're not thought of as a defensive team right now. It seems like that might be the thing that is kind of falling behind right now. But in this game and the Marquette game, maybe this is a good segue. They get that stop when they need it at mm-hmm. the end. That Colby Jones stop on Baylor Shireman after Baylor Shireman had been cooking all game. I mean, that was elite level defense from someone who is thought of as that elite defender. Yeah. One of the guys I think who really showed out in the Creighton game was uh, Desmond Claude, who's a freshman. He's not, um, he's not really gotten it all together on offense, but he's shown himself to be probably Xavier's best um, perimeter defender. As far as uh, a guard goes, you know, Colby, can guard the wings really well. Sometimes he struggles with like a quicker point guard type. So I thought Claude did a really good job on Shireman. And then, yeah, um, Colby, though, he took Shireman that possession. He had taken Kadari Richmond in a big possession against Seton Hall, which ended in a turnover. Um, I think he's the guy that Xavier just kind of throws out there as their ace and says, okay, we know you're trying to run something to this guy. And so Colby Jones is going to be on him and um, Colby has risen to the occasion. And I'll jump in and add to that. When Kolick was cooking in the second game and he put up 20 points in the first half, it was Colby Jones who took on that assignment in the second half and really limited him going forward um, after Sully Boom had him initially. So yeah. I think Colby Jones has been fantastic. So then Xavier goes and plays um, a great game against Marquette. We were at the St. John's game, so we both watched as much of it back today, but what are your impressions of that game? That was seemed like just another high-level basketball game that Xavier came out on the right end of. Yeah, it was a weird game because it was 48-44 at halftime. I mean, both teams were just cooking in the first half. Tyler Kolek, um, Xavier really had a hard time with him in the first half. It did not look like they were really that focused on trying to get him to go to his offhand. Mm-hmm. And when you're letting a guy like that get downhill, he's gonna destroy you because he can score it and um distribute from from the inside so uh that was a huge issue and then uh for like 13 minutes in the second half I want to say it was a 13 minute span Xavier had like an eight to six run or something like it was crazy how it was like all the scoring and then for a long part of the second half nobody could buy a basket um I can't think it kind of speaks to the fact that Xavier was doing a better job on Kolek, but, um, you know, Marquette uh, was getting some some good defense, especially out of Igadaro. I really thought that would be an, a matchup Xavier would exploit more, but he held his own pretty well in the low post. Um, and so, yeah, it was kind of an odd game because it went from a lot of offense to very little offense. And then 
um, set it up for kind of a grandstand finish where uh, Sule Boom just took over in the last three minutes. Yeah. How are you liking Sule Boom as your point? You couldn't have been expecting this from Sule Boom. Could, like, or what were the expectations going into this year? That kid is um, he's one of the front runners for Big East Player of the Year right now. Yeah, I, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to speak for anyone but myself, but I think um, my impression was, you know, this is a guy who is going to come in and um, add to the depth of the guard position. I think probably most people projected him as a starter or pretty much everybody projected him as a starter, but I don't know that anybody um, when he transferred in, you know, pointed and said, this guy is going to be the star of the team and um, kind of the headline grabber. And he certainly has been, um, he's great in late game situations. I think when you look at um, the guys you want having the ball late in the game out of Big East players, he's got to be near the top of everybody's list. He's at the top of my list because I'm a Xavier fan, but I think he would be at the top of most people's list. And so I think he's exceeded a lot of the expectations that people might have had. I think the one thing that he has done um, that was maybe a little bit of a question mark coming in. He had been a huge volume scorer at San Francisco and UTEP. Um, and he was a guy who was used to just, you know, shooting himself out of funks and, you know, getting um, a lot of shots, being the focal point of the offense. He's really done a really good job of um, taking kind of more of a distribution role when he needs to. And when somebody else is going or when Xavier, you know, has a, has the opportunity to exploit a mismatch down low. He's very good at getting the offense into a place where somebody else can score as well, maybe not getting the assist, but um, setting things up for Xavier to have success. And that's one of the things I like so much about watching this Xavier team is that all of the guys seem so unselfish and they're all willing to play their part and they feed off of each other. And you don't have one guy who's going for 30 points every night, but you have a lot of guys going for 15 points, you know? Yeah, I think that's one of the things that people um, were looking forward to with the return of Sean Miller. A lot of his teams at Xavier when they were really good, uh, the 2008 team was probably his best team at Xavier. And uh, that was a team where they had, you know, six or seven guys who played, but all six or seven of those guys could really hurt you. Um, and they had, you know, that multifaceted attack that I think we're seeing this year as well. So I think that that's an element of what he brings to the table. And it, I, I agree. It's been great to see because um, they, especially with that starting lineup, all five of those guys can kill you on any given night. Absolutely. Now vibes are, this is, I think we're about where we're at, but vibes are probably as high as they could get for Xavier right now. What's your ceiling for Xavier? Are they a final four team? Are they, Second week, I got what's a disappointment at this point? Yes, what's a disappointment? Oh, for this season, yeah, yeah. To, to end the season. At. I, I think probably, um, probably losing in the, the first round of the tournament. I think losing in the second round, not making it to the second weekend, would be disappointing depending on the circumstances, and I think that with the way the second half of the big East season is set up, this team is probably going to take a few dings mm -hmm. uh, between now and March, because you have to go to Connecticut. You have to go to Creighton. You have to go to Providence. You have to go to Marquette. Um, it's hard to see, you know, that stretch turning into four and O. So I think this team's probably 
not going to end up undefeated in the Big East, but I would say, yeah, losing in the first round would be would be disappointing. Um, as far as ceiling goes, I think, I mean, I think this team could make the Final Four if the if the matchups fall right, if the breaks fall right. You know, I don't think anybody uh, sitting in January is a sure thing for the Final Four, but um, at this point, watching this team, I think you got to say, why not us? You know, what what would uh, what would keep us from going to the Final Four? Because they've beaten some really good teams. And that's a great segue. What do you think their weak spot is? What would keep them from making the Final Four? Oh, uh, defense. Uh, I think that this team, um, you know, they struggle sometimes to to get stops. They struggle to um, string stops together at times. I think in the games they've lost this year, the thing you could point to in all of them is they had good offensive performances. They had players who were able to make big shots when they needed them, but they couldn't get the the big stops that they needed, like we were talking about against Creighton and Marquette, uh, you know, against Gonzaga and Duke and Indiana. They couldn't get those. Well, we really appreciate you uh, coming on with us. And anybody who's listening, go follow Banners on the Parkway. They are one of the better Twitter accounts out there. You guys have been great to us. So thanks for coming on, and we really appreciate, appreciate it. Appreciate you, man. Thank you. Yeah, thank you guys so much for having me. Uh, I'm a big fan, so uh, it, it's great to be on. All right, Ryan, we're running a little long because of that awesome interview you guys just heard. Um, we are going to be doing a kind of a rapid-fire mailbag section for today um, because that's about all time we have for. So... You ready, Ryan? I'll hit you with them. Let's do it. All right. Athath, one of our favorites, asks, no real debate that St. John's and Seton Hall are in the middle. Questions on the upcoming week for Seton Hall. Um, what will they need to do this season to join the bubble conversation? We just had that conversation. They play UConn on Wednesday. If they beat UConn and Marquette, are they in the bubble? So they're playing them both at home, yes. UConn and Marquette. If they win both those games, are they in the bubble? Yes. If they win just one... It, they probably need to beat Marquette. If they beat Rutgers. Seton Hall fans, I know it. You hate it. Root for Rutgers every freaking game because the Big Ten is such a – if Rutgers goes and beats Purdue again, you guys are like close. Like every time Rutgers wins, you win. They would never root for a I public know. school. And a that's public a, school? A public school. I also want to give credit to Kevin Mosher, 1825, who said to rank them by famous alumni, which we took our own spin on with NBA coaches. Um, Big East is full of great bigs this year. Marcus Mafia. Um, list top 10 bigs. We can't list 10. Right. Give me your three best bigs. Joel Soriano. Yep. Ryan Clockburner. Adam Sanogo. I was going to go the same three, so I'll switch. I'll name another three that I think are really good. Okay, next three. Uh, Jack Nungy. Yep. Um, I like Manny Bates' ability um, to block shots still, although he has really fallen off. And hmm, who else do I like? Donovan Klingon, how about Don? Uh, Osoe Godaro. Osoe Godaro. Love Osoe Godaro. Yep. All right. Um, we also need to give credit to John Kellogg, who said to do the order of um, looks for the home court. Um, and he's been awesome to us throughout, John Great Kellogg. Guy. Great guy. <clears throat> John Kellogg said, um, talk about the coolest home floor. So we both picked one. So who are you going to pick? I'm going to go with the dunk. Because the not amp. only does the it, amp. the dunk, 
Not only does it look awesome, but it also can conjure up wet spots whenever you need them. I went with Cintas Center. Um, I like the f- look of the floor, and that home field court advantage seems to be one of the cooler ones in college basketball. Um, that I said the same thing. Who are the top three schools you want to be with fans of for the next five years? I thought this was a really good question. Five years. That's a great question. It's because you're banking on head coaches. You know, I, you're not. Providence. Ed Cooley's not going anywhere. But they're going to keep trying the transfers. And I don't know. You're going to miss some years. I believe in Ed Cooley. I think he's a real deal. Marquette, Shaka Smart. Give me Shaka Smart all day. Although I could see Shaka going to a bigger school if he gets the opportunity again. Yeah, maybe. And then I'm going to go Seton Hall because I don't think Holloway's going anywhere. And I really like him. I'm going to say UConn because they have one of the top five recruiting classes in the country coming in. Um, which should be a lot of fun. I think McDermott has shown that he's going to recruit the hell out of people in Creighton. So I'm going to go with those two teams. And... You know what? Give me Georgetown because I think they're going to fire Ewing. And, well, listen, they're going to fire Ewing. And then what they're going to decide to do is they're going to bring in a coach who knows what they're doing. And people are going to be talking about the rejuvenation. It's good, though, because you had the worst take of the podcast. So that sets a good floor for us. Which bottom six teams are most likely to make the tournament? Of the bottom six? From Secret Marquette, yes. St. John's. They have a win over UConn. Hall. Seton Hall doesn't have as good of a win as St. John's. Which... Top four team is likely to fall out. I'm going to be on record that I don't think it's possible for any of the four teams to fall out of the top four unless they literally lose every game. You're going to say UConn? It has to be UConn. I'm going to say Providence because they haven't played all those teams on the road yet that they have to play. And they don't have a good out-of-conference schedule. Yeah, but they've defended home court and UConn just lost to the Johnnies. Yeah, but UConn beat Creighton at home. I I, I hear what you're saying, but Providence just lost to Creighton. Um, What teams have the most realistic shot in the Big East regular season title? Considering losses this weekend. Xavier. It's Xavier, Marquette, and Providence. Yeah, and I'm going Xavier above all of the rest but right they now. They don't have a loss. That's not a hot take. Huh? They don't have a loss. That's not a hot take. It's a hot, it's, that's my hot take. They, they have like a 60 You can't tell me what's a hot take. take. That's a stupid take. Well, you just told me I had the worst take of the pod. <laughs> um, what is X missing to make them a legit Final Four contender? Answered by Banners on the Parkway. It starts with a D and ends with a... Fence. Fence. Um, do you think DePaul is better than their record shows? What's her record? Bad. Under 500. No, I think they're bad. Aw. And this is why Ryan's the least liked person in Chicago. You don't want to be the least liked person in Chicago, Ryan. Yeah, they really playing. hate a lot of people. Is Joel Soriano on the same level as Adama Sinogo? Uh, I think Soriano's had a better year to this point. I absolutely agree. What does Adama Sinogo do better than Joel Soriano? More touch around the paint? Post moves. But, like, Joel Soriano's a better rebounder. He's a better defender. Better defender. And, like... He's a better shooter from outside. I think Soriano, I was thinking about this today. I think Soriano's worse in the pick and roll as a defender than Sinogo because he has a little bit less lateral movement. Yeah. But I think, and then Sinogo has a little more touch on the rim. Sinogo is an elite hedge defender. And and that's what Hurley requires from any of his bigs. Um, So that actually wraps up. Told you we could do it in this short time. That wraps up our mailbag. Um, We ended up in a really good spot. We really hope you guys liked the um, interview with Banners. They were really nice to get on, come on at the last minute for us. Yeah, great guy. Really, really enjoyed that conversation yeah. with him. I, I still don't know if I should have called him by his name, but I don't want to dox him on accident. Yeah, so agreed. I just kept calling him Banners. Agreed. Um, but uh, yeah, so that's where we're at. Um, so thank you, everybody, for listening to week 10 of the Big East of Bar Room. You guys are the absolute best. Um, keep it going on Twitter. We're we're building something here. We are right into the, uh, like the thick of 
Um, Biggie season now. It's great. It's fantastic. Like every night of the week, there's a must watch game. So we're having a blast. Yep. All right. Thank you very much. Thanks for pulling up a stool.